Have you ever heard the phrase, don't work harder, work smarter? I want to share with you today a message God's placed on my heart. Working together, working together. How many of you need a good old-fashioned revival? I believe a lot of us need an old-fashioned revival. I talked with a pastor this week. He said, Brother Pastor, I need revival. I believe a lot of God's people need revival. In fact, I know our nation needs revival. Our communities, our churches desperately need a breakthrough. And I believe there's some of you today that are here that need a spiritual breakthrough. How many need a spiritual breakthrough? I believe that you can experience that breakthrough today if you'll listen because we're going to be dealing with a subject that I think is very practical to every single one of us here right now. If there was ever a time our nation needed godly leadership, I would say it was right now, wouldn't you? I think we need godly leadership in the home. It appears that we definitely need godly leadership in our churches. And I thank God for those who are serving the Lord. We absolutely need godly, notice I'm saying godly, spiritual leadership. And there's a vast difference between secular leadership and spiritual leadership. In fact, it was Solomon that wrote and said, he said, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. And so I won't tell you what, as we think today about this matter of working together, working together, we can get a lot more done working together. I'll tell you what, would you just look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we need to learn to work together. We need to learn to work together. We need to learn how to work together. It's God's plan. There's no doubt about it. Speaking of working together, Andy Freeman called me yesterday and he said, Brother Pastor, I need to talk with you. He said, my mom went to be with the Lord last night. And I said, Andy, I'm sorry. Uh, she's 68 years old, he told me. Said she had shoulder surgery and then evidently had some complications afterwards. Everything went fine with the surgery, and, but it was several days later. And, and uh, at any rate, I reflected on the fact of talking with her uh, both her and her husband, Jackie, and her name's Judy, and please lift up that family, asking her, was she ready to meet the Lord? How many know we're not promised of tomorrow? How many know we better be ready to meet the Lord? Doesn't matter what age we are. And so, are you really working together with maybe in your home? I believe there needs to be some breakthroughs with husbands and wives here today. Maybe it's been a while since y'all prayed together. Do you still pray together? What about it? Do you pray with your children? Do you pray over your children? Do you pray with your grandchildren? Well, if you don't, I'm I believe God's calling us as a church and as uh, godly daddies and godly moms to come together, to work together. And even as a church, I believe the Lord is uh, instructing us the importance of working together. By the way, did you hear about the man that was in the insane asylum? And he's walking around. He's in this uh, mental institution. He's walking around with a wheelbarrow, pushing it upside down. I mean, he's just walking around with a wheelbarrow, pushing it upside down. Somebody said to him, said, sir, are you out of your mind? Don't you know you're supposed to turn that wheelbarrow up right, right side up? The man said, what? If I turn it right side up, somebody put something in it, all right? <laughs> He wasn't as quite as crazy as maybe people thought he was. But Paul said, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Here's where we're going today. There are three steps I believe the Lord is going to give you and me to take 
to experience a spiritual breakthrough, a revival, or at least a breakthrough where we're going to see God do. How many know that when we come together and pray together, there's double power when we pray together? You know that? Jesus said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, two of you, not 200, just two. Can you find somebody that will pray with you this morning? I'll tell you what, if you can't find anybody, I'll meet you right down here at the altar and pray with you. Here's where we're going. There are three steps that I, Lord put in my heart this week as I was reflecting over the message, and here they are. Number one, why work together? Why work together? We'll see that in the book of Nehemiah in a moment, and that's in chapter 1 and 2. Number two, not only why work together, number two, where work together? Where work together? We'll see that in a moment. Chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6 of the book of Nehemiah. And then number 3, how do we work together? How should we work together? And we'll see that in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. Turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. Let's first of all look in chapter 1. And I want to read uh, the first part of this text. As we look at this subject, working together, your breakthrough. Tell me, are you working together with your brothers and your sisters? It's easy to be a lone ranger on an island, but once you become a part of the body of Christ, you learn that we learn to work together with each other under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We recognize each one has been gifted uniquely and specially for the purpose of serving the Lord. And furthermore, we'll be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ to the spiritual gifts and slash works as we serve the Lord with the right motives for His glory. Working together, working together. Here's where we're going. Three steps. Number one, why work together? I'm reading from the book of Nehemiah. Before you stand, let me give you some historical background, and then we'll launch right into the text. Here, this wonderful book, I didn't know if you knew this or not. You probably do. But do you know this is a major prophetic book as to fulfillment of Bible prophecy? Do you realize Daniel, the prophet of old, when he's reading his devotional reading in the book of Daniel chapter 9, we read that in verse 2. He's reading from the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is referencing the 70 weeks that, uh, or 70 years, should I say, that uh, the Israelites uh, were going to be in captivity. But Daniel pinpoints with a spirit of God, by the spirit of God, a prophetic futuristic event that would take place. And Nehemiah is partially a fulfillment of that prophecy. For example, he says, and I'm just giving you some historical background before we get into the text. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined for thy people. 70 weeks. Anytime you see the word weeks there, it's the word shabuo, which means seven years. 70 times seven would be 490 years. In other words, Daniel is seeing in the prophetic future uh, 490 years that would be yet to be fulfilled. It's an amazing historical event that uh, majority of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. And by the way, Daniel didn't write his book after the fulfillment of these prophecies, rather before. And the proof is the Dead Sea Scrolls. And by the way, I guess you saw the discovery this week of more ancient scrolls of the, uh, in the Qumran community. At any rate, chapter 9, verse 20, 70 weeks, chapter 9, verse 
number uh, 24, 70 weeks are determined for thy people. And Daniel's writing to the Jews, not the church, the Jews. They're in captivity. Now, I said all that to say this. Listen to what he said. He said, from the going forth of the commandment, uh, he said to restore Jerusalem. In verse 25, 70 weeks are determined for thy people and thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make reconciliation from iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know this, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And what he's saying is this. He's saying seven weeks, 49 years. Seven times seven is 49. He says 49 years from precisely the date when he prophesies that the Jews would come back to rebuild Jerusalem. Why? Because it was destroyed in 586 B.C. That's not up for debate. Nebuchadnezzar burned Jerusalem. 49 years, and I said all that to say Nehemiah in the year 445 B.C. comes back and rebuilds the wall. Daniel had already prophesied that. I'm telling you, the Bible is an amazing book, is it not? And by the way, in verse 26, he said, and Messiah should be cut off. Now, if this is not going to be absolutely mind-boggling, I don't know what is. He said seven weeks, 49 years would be when the Jews would come back to rebuild the walls, and which did take place. Then he said three score and two, that would be 62 weeks, Messiah should be cut off. 62 weeks, 62 times seven equals 434 years. And if you calculated 434 years plus 49 years, you'd get 483 years. Guess what? To the date, not by the Gregorian calendar according to our calendar, rather to the Jewish calendar, it happened to the date. Jesus Christ came marching in on the back of a donkey. We'll so-called call that Palm Sunday next week. And it was absolutely pinpointed by Daniel the prophet 500 years approximately before the event ever took place. And not only that, but verse 26 of Daniel 9, he said, Messiah shall be cut off. And that word cut off is a violent death. How in the world did Daniel know this would take place? Precisely, exactly, to the day. I'll tell you how. The Bible is a supernatural book. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. I wish I had time to talk about other prophecies, but our time will not permit. I just wanted to give you that introduction to the book of Nehemiah. Now, the, Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. It was an important position. In other words, the king uh, would not be uh, concerned about drinking or eating anything that would poison him. Why? Because it'd have to go through Nehemiah. He's a trusted man. And yet Nehemiah understands his role, his purpose on earth. Have you understood? Are you fulfilling your purpose on earth? And so we come to the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah has a great burden. And we're going to see how this begins to unfold. Remember now, number one, the first step for our breakthrough is learning to work together by why should we work together? Why should we work together? So if you'd like to stand, I want to read just a couple of verses in the book of Nehemiah chapter 1. Skipping through the text, I want to get right to verses uh, 1, uh, just first few verses of the book of Nehemiah. And uh, I've already given you some background, so you're no need to delay any longer. Look at verse 3. Uh, here, Nehemiah is in the uh, Shushan, the palace, 
Again, this is probably in December, we're told. Again, the year probably 445 B.C. He's uh, in, been taken into captivity. Again, the 70 weeks, the fulfillment of the book of Jeremiah. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 18, also is a verification of the exact date and the reason the Jews were taken into captivity. I might stop right there and tell you because they didn't lay allow the land to lay rest every seven years as God instructed them in the book of Leviticus and therefore God chastised his people because of that and as well as their mingling and mixing with the people intermarrying which was a no-no they were not to do that because they would begin to worship the idols of these other heathen gods but nonetheless they didn't listen to God and therefore God chastised his people taking them into captivity however God was not finished. God always has a plan and a purpose. And Nehemiah fits into that plan. Aren't you glad there's hope in the Lord? Hallelujah. Yeah, there's hope for America. Jesus Christ will come again. And I believe that's the hope we have. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, notice verse 3. They said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire and it came to pass when nehemiah said i heard these words that i sat down and wept he had a broken heart and he mourned certain days it doesn't say he was angry it doesn't say he was bitter like many americans are today because of what's going on it said he he sat down and he wept and he, look at this, he mourned certain days. And then, look at this, he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. May God bless it to our heart. And all God's people said, Amen. Father, we bless you today. We love and worship you because of who you are. You love us. You died, Jesus, for my sins. And you conquered the grave with the keys to death and hell and you live forevermore, and you live in us now, and you said you're coming back for us. So, Father, fill us afresh this place. I pray for the cleansing blood of the Lamb to be upon your servant, that you'd be seen, you'd be heard, and you will, Father, accomplish your will in this place. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Every demonic activity is bound in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, because Lord Jesus, you said they overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. So we ask now for hearts to be softened. And Lord, give us ears to receive the incorruptible, indestructible word that's forever set in heaven. Change us, Lord. Transform us. Help us, Lord, not to make excuses and alibis. Lord, change us, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. That God, we need breakthroughs. I pray for bad habits and for strongholds and, Father, for, uh, Lord, uh, apathy and indifference and, Lord, uh, not stepping up at a time like this to lead this world different than when we came into it. Deal with us, Lord. I pray for our daddies and mamas and I pray for husbands and wives and families and men of God and women of God. And young people, Lord, in the schools that, oh God, you get a, like Nehemiah had a burden for your work and was willing to fast and pray and cry out to you and watch you do 
great things. Even you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, get us again. Help us stay focused on you and yield afresh to you. And we pray now that you'll teach us how to work with you as you work in us and work through us as we work together, co-labors together. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, and we'll thank you for it. The souls that have come to Jesus and be saved because they'll see a difference in our life. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. Let's talk about this thing about why work. Why work together? Why work together? Can I give you two reasons, or at least two parts, to why work together? I don't have these on the screen. You're going to need to write them down. Are you ready? Here they are. Number one, what was the secret to Nehemiah's success? What was the secret to Nehemiah's success? And then in a moment, we'll talk about number two. What was the strategy of Nehemiah's vision? Number one, what was the secret to Nehemiah's success? Don't you want to be successful from the Lord's point of view? Absolutely. Well, what is it? There are certain criteria, certain key elements that you and I need to learn from this account that God will bless your life and my life. All right? What was the secret to Nehemiah's success? Do you know what it was? I'll tell you what it was. It was right here. Nehemiah sat down and the scripture indicates he fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. That is the secret to your success. You say, but pastor, does God still call his people to fast? Well, let me just give you a reference to what Jesus said. He said, when you fast, in Matthew chapter 6. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. He didn't just assume that you might be fasting. He said, when you fast. The word fast means abstinence from food. And by the way, there's partial fast, there's total fast, there's various kinds of fast. Your fasting might be skipping a meal. All of us could use a little bit of skipping one meal, couldn't we? Anyway, but if you're on doctor's care and you're on medicine, you get with your doctor. I'm not a medical doctor, so you get with your doctor. But I am telling you this. There are spiritual benefits from fasting and praying. Right here's an example. Can I tell you another example? God honors this matter of when we're willing to come aside and say, Lord, you're more important than even my necessary food. Truth be known, our stomach is our God oftentimes. And the flesh is often in control of our life instead of Jesus Christ being in control of our life. You try fasting for a little while, for one day, 24 hours, drink water, whatever. But look, Esther called a three-day fast. Why? Because Haman was going to kill, exterminate all the Jews. Did it work? Yes. God intervened to this day. We call the day of celebration Purim. The Jews were miraculously delivered from the hand of Haman and those who hate the Jewish people. Why? Because they were willing to fast and pray three days. You check out Jehoshaphat in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He too called a time of prayer and fasting. No wonder the Lord absolutely dumbfounded the enemies of Israel without them even firing a shot. I'm talking about prayer and fasting. And then Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days. It was a partial fast. I love what the Lord said to Daniel. He said, Daniel, I heard you from day one. 
I, I understood you. I saw you chasing yourself as you humble yourself under God's hand. Well, I'll tell you, what would God do to America if God's people would humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and pray and fast and seek the face of God? I'm telling you, we need God's power today. We saw, y'all listen now, we saw politicians can't fix this mess. The Republicans can't fix this mess. The Democrats can't fix this mess. Only God can fix the mess. And God's calling his people to pray and fast. I'm afraid to say, I think we relied too much on the arm of flesh this last year, depending on the government to do this and that. I tell you, the government's not God. God's God. If there was a time that the Lord has called his people to get serious and to see him lay bare his mighty power, armor power, it's now. I'm not saying we shouldn't be salt and light. We should. Absolutely. But when all said and done, God ultimately rules, he overrules, and he ever rules. And the church said, righteousness exalts a nation, sins of reproach to any people, but blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Let's say that together. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Say it again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I believe that. Yes, and so Nehemiah prayed and fasted. Did Jesus believe in prayer and fasting? He sure did. How do I know that? Because I read in the book of Matthew chapter 4 where he fasted and prayed a supernatural fast, I might add, for 40 long days when he was led out into the wilderness. Why? To begin his ministry. Look, did the early church believe in prayer and fasting? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. How do I know that? If you read the book of Acts chapter 13, you'll find out the early church called Antioch. When Paul and Barnabas get ready to go out on their mission endeavor, the first one, you know what the church did? You read it. Luke records the words. They laid their hands on them and they fasted and they prayed. They sent them out. No wonder the glory of God was on them. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of seeing what the arm of flesh can do. I want to see what God can do. Amen. God can do anything but fail. He's a God who is mighty indeed. Well, what about quickly? I love the account in the Gospel of Mark. Now, Mark is a servant of the Lord. Now, Mark's Gospel is written to Romans. Why? Because Mark cuts through the chase. He doesn't include the genealogical lineage of our Lord Jesus like Matthew does and Luke does. Rather, he gets down to the nitty-gritty. Why? because he wants his audience, namely this Roman audience, to understand that Jesus Christ was who he said he was, and he had wonder-working power. Do you know what the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark records? Mark records these words. Jesus Christ has gone to the Mount of Transfiguration. I had the privilege of being there just a few years ago. It's otherwise called Mount Hermon. Do you know what he was doing on the top of that mountain? I'll tell you what he was doing. He was absolutely being transformed. We call that the Mount of Transfiguration. Gloriously changed. Now, there's a lot of implications when that took place. I don't want to center on that as much as I do what took place after that. But before I share that, you need to know Peter, James, and John went with him on the Mount of Transfiguration as he was gloriously transformed before their very eyes. And when... Coming down from the mountain, do you know the first thing they encountered? A demon-possessed boy. Learn this. 
the mountain is meant for worship, the valley is meant for warfare. And this boy who's foaming at the mouth and wallowing in the fire is demonly possessed. The disciples couldn't help him. Read the text, Mark chapter 9. The disciples couldn't help him. Why? I'll tell you why in a minute. The defeated disciples, they're discouraged. Somebody put it this way. They were sleeping when they should have been praying. That's why they weren't standing when they, or that's what they, they were falling when they should have been standing. I, I'm not faulting disciples. I'm afraid to say that's an indictment on every probably Christian today. We're sleeping instead of we should have been praying. And no wonder we're falling when we should be standing. <laughs> prayer and fasting. Here's what I'm saying. Nehemiah believed in prayer and fasting. Well, what happened? These defeated disciples, they're discouraged. But there's a doubting daddy. He's down in the dumps. If it was your child, wouldn't you be down in the dumps? You know you would. You'd be desperate, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Somebody help my child. The devil's got a hold of him. And you know what happened? That daddy said, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> Jesus said, do you believe? I believe, help my unbelief. And then the Lord, you come from that deadly demon destroying to the divine deliverer who came to deliver. And he just said, come out of that boy. Now, look at the end of the account. If you read Mark chapter 9, verses 27, 28, here's what you discover. You'd find out the disciples said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon? You know what the Lord said to them? Are you ready for this? Do you know what the Lord said to him? He said, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. Let me repeat it again. He said, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. Oh, I hear somebody saying, but pastor, don't you know that's omitted in some of the texts? All right, so what? You read Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, you'll read the exact same phrase. It's not only written in Mark, but it's also written in Matthew 17, 21. Case is made. Jesus Christ said this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. Oh, the power of prayer and fasting with the right motives. Isaiah 58 is a great chapter to read in regards to fasting, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. There's some strongholds that we're all dealing with. And the only way God's going to break you free is for you and me to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. There's some things our families are facing, demonic onslaughts of the enemy. And the only way that the enemy is going to be intimidated is to see Almighty God stretch forth his hand to power. When God's people get serious about loving Jesus and humbling ourselves before the Lord, crying out to God, you say, Pastor, you're talking about all this demon possession. Okay. What about happened last week up in Atlanta with the spa and these people, innocent people, shot down, killed? What do you think about that? You think this boy was just a, uh, you know, he, he was just a nice little boy? No, sir. He was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed. I don't care what he calls it. He can call it sex addiction or whatever he wants to call it. I call it the devil. The demons of hell had a hold of him. By the way, I read an article. I don't know if you read the article or not. This young man grew up in church. I tell you the name of the church in Atlanta. And a lot of people in the church knew him. Listen to me. Just because you sit in church on Sunday doesn't mean you're in my, I'm exempt from the enemy's attack. In fact, it's going to be more intense. That's why we don't need to get comfortable in our comfort zone. We're in a battle, in a war. 
What was the success? What was the secret to Nehemiah's success? Prayer and fasting. I can hear God calling us. Are you willing to humble yourself under God's hand? Oh, yes. But number two, there's a second question that emerges from this number one, why work together? Working with God, that's what he's saying. If you work with me, I'll work with you. I want to see what God can do. I know I'm limited. I know we're all finite beings, but God is not limited. God is not finite. He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent everywhere. He's transcendent. He's above all creation. He's immutable. That means he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 records. But look, not only was what was the secret to Nehemiah's success, but I want you to focus for a moment, number two, what was the strategy of Nehemiah's vision? How many know that you need vision? Amen. Write the vision, make it plain, that they that read it may want, what, what are you doing in life? Are you just kind of shooting from the hip? Are you just kind of going day by day, just surviving? Do you realize God's got a plan for you? Do you realize God's got a purpose for you? Do you realize God will show you what he wants to do in your life? Write the vision. Make it plain that they that read it may run with it. Though it tarry, it will surely come to pass. That's in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Solomon said, where there's no vision, the people perish. Let's say that together. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Say it again. Ask your neighbor. Neighbor, you got vision? I didn't say you got uh, 2020 uh, vision. I'm saying spiritual vision. What is vision? What could be, what should be. There's a lot of things God wants to do in your life. How many of y'all believe that? There's a lot more than what he's doing right now that he wants to do in your life and your life and my life. A lot more than he's doing right now. You believe that? I believe that. There's a lot more that God has intends for you and me. I don't want to leave this whole world the same way I came into it. Amen. And whatever time you've got left and I've got left, what we do for the Lord, we better do it now. Jesus said, work while it's day. It's coming a night when no man can work. And by the way, we're not talking about working outside of the power of God. We're talking about working with the power of God. So what was the strategy to Nehemiah's vision? Let me give you a verse. I love this verse. Have you ever noticed ants? I'm not talking about Aunt Susie and Aunt Betty and all that. I'm talking about those little creatures. Have you ever noticed these little creatures, little ants? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 25, Solomon said, Ants are a people, not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Have you ever noticed ants? They work together. That's right. They work together. Ants are a people, not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. We can learn from the ants. Here come the ants. Let's learn from them. We're talking about working together. Do you know what ants? First, notice it's plural. It's not singular. Ants. That means there's a number of them. And not only is it plural, but they participate. They prepare. They prepare their food in the summer. Ants work together. Ants work together. By the way, have you ever tried to stop ants? <laughs> Besides raid. Have you ever tried to stop them? Other, uh, not long ago, I was in the carport, and I saw a trail of ants coming this way, getting some, uh, some dog food or something like that. And Anyway, I said, I'll stop them. I just threw something right in the way. Big old heavy bag. Did it stop them? 
You think it stopped them? Absolutely not. They just went right over it. Some went this way, some went that. Man, ants persevere. They don't give up. They don't quit. (laughs) Ants are a people, not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Tell me, do you give up? You say, well, I'm serving God, and, you know, this happened, and this happened, this isn't going right, and this person wants to do this and that. Oh, no. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And by the way, in the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep giving out. Keep giving out. Keep giving out. Yes, I know we get weary, but watch this. Pay that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Anybody tired this morning? Vexed this morning? They shall wait on the Lord, renew thy strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Tell me, have you gotten tired, mamas? You gotten tired, daddies? You're tired, aren't you? All the stress. Yeah, I know you are, yesterday. Everybody, you know, tired and all the stuff going on and coronavirus and, and this is closed and wearing masks and this and that and the other. I mean, this shot works and it don't work and this happened and that. Man, it's just like a, a world of, of, of just leave me alone. Watch this. Hey, answer the people. Will you purpose in your heart to work together? How about it, daddies and mamas? How about it, husbands and wives? Be honest now. We can act spiritual if we want to. Are y'all praying every day? Are y'all praying every day? And if not, why not? Will you redig some wells today and say, we're going to start praying every day, every day. The Lord dealt with me, convicted me about that, and every day. My wife and I have prayer time every day in the morning. And, uh, I, I, and I'm not everything I ought to be. I'm just telling you, this is, this is what God's will is. Every man needs to step up and say, you know what? I've been given to be the priest in the home. And God holds me accountable. You believe that? Read Joshua 24 and verse 15. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You say, but they're not awake. You can still pray for them. You don't have to be awake. Pray over them. Pray for them. Call them on the phone when they get up. Bless God. Call them on a text them at lunchtime or sometime. Purpose in your heart. You're going to pray with each other. There's something about when two agree together. In the book of Acts chapter 4, the early church. I love it. They were in one accord. They waited for the Holy Ghost to be poured out upon them. And just like Jesus said, the Holy Ghost of God came in life-changing power. We call it the day of Pentecost. And then guess what happened? In the book of Acts chapter 4, the Word of God says, when the early church prayed together, the place was shaken. The place was shaken. And they all were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Man, if there's ever time our culture needs to see the power of a living God, it's today. They don't need to see dead religion. If your God's dead, your God's not at work in your life, get rid of him. Come to the God of the Bible. It's God working in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. It's not us, but it's him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Number two, not only why, Work together. Number two, notice with me this word. How you spell team? How you spell it? I don't see an I in there. Do y'all see an I in there? <laughs> There's no I in team. How you spell it? T 
E, help me. No I. There's no big I, no little you. It's working together. Isn't it amazing we can get a lot more done working together than we can individually? Have you noticed that? And if you have trouble working with somebody else, it might just be you. <laughs> okay? The Lord said to all the churches, Philippi, for example, and other churches, by the way, this next point, I want you to skip over to chapter number 2 and 3. Do you know what, you know what Nehemiah, uh, you know what the Lord said to Nehemiah? Nehemiah, let me just point this out. We don't have time to look at it. But the Bible teaches that Nehemiah found favor with the king. He found favor with the king, and then guess what else? In chapter 2 of the book of Nehemiah, it says the good hand of the Lord was on Nehemiah. The good hand of the Lord. Say that with me. The good hand of the Lord. Don't you want the good hand of the Lord on you? i tell you what, you can do what you can outside of God's power, and it won't be very much. But one plus God is a majority. You believe that? If you've ever tried to serve the Lord and see God do great things outside the power of God, you, like me, have come to the conclusion it will result in an utter failure without God's power. One person in the church believes that. How many of y'all believe that? We believe it enough that we're willing to do something about it? Oh, yes. <laughs> Don't just be lip service. Oh, yes, God saying the good hand of the Lord was in him. All right, now look, where we work together. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God, set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, this is in chapter 3, verse 10, I believe, or chapter 4, Judah said, the strength of the bears is burdens, is decay, it's worn out, they're tired, they're ready to give up. I'm describing the average church today. 80% of the church is done by 20% of the people. Hello? And then the 20% of the people sit back and criticize what, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 80% of the people sit back and criticize what 20% of the people are doing all the 80% of the work. It's easy to be a critic. Can I get a witness? Amen. It doesn't take much size to criticize, but get, bless God, get in the battle. Hello? Get in the battle. Stop being a critic and a skeptic and start serving the Lord. You'll find that it's not as easy as you think it is. Can I get somebody to say, man, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's easy. I can nitpick you and you can nitpick me. But I'll tell you what, you can't nitpick Jesus. Amen. It's all about him. The strength of the bears is burden to cave. Nehemiah says it looks like we're not going to be able to accomplish the goal. The people don't uh, want to come. They're not, they're not passionate about serving God these days. People are more interested in the stimulus money and the government and the government taking care of us and the government being our God. Oh, thank God that God's given us the government, but the government's not our God. God's our God. And I'm not going to stand before the government when I die. I want you all to know I'm going to stand before the Jesus Christ, period. The judgment seat of Christ. So that really changed our uh, focus, won't it? Hey, so what are we doing? What are we talking about here? We're talking about serving the Lord. Do you know how the people worked in the book of Nehemiah? I looked at it 28 times. 28 times. I noted in the book of Nehemiah, it says, they stood beside one another. In chapter 2 of the book of Nehemiah, you can see this, next to them, next to them, for example, verse 4 of chapter 3 of the book of Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding these walls, next to them, and next to them, and next to them, 28 times. You know what that tells me? It tells me, brother, they were right next to each other. It tells me they were right next to each other. It says they were right next to each other. Hey, look at here. I want to tell you something. 
you know what? You might not be able to, you might not be able to, uh, now, now, Brother Chris is standing right here, and we're working together, and uh, I'm way over here, I'm way over here, uh, this young man right here didn't plan this, I wonder, if you would stand right there, Evan, please, this young man right here, uh, he, here, Brother Chris, way over there, and, and Evan's right there, see if you can get past us, go past us, why, you can get past us pretty easy, all right? Now then, try it again. Now look at here. Me and Brother Chris standing next to each other. Now try to get through us. You can't do it, buddy. You can't do it. The value. Come on, let's give these men a hand. Thank you, brothers. The value of working together. The value of working together. They stood arm in arm. That's what I'm talking about. Mamas and daddies. Standing together. Serving the Lord together. Oh, praise the Lord. It says next to him and next to him. There were 40 different crews that were working. By the way, some of them were goof-offs. You know, everywhere you go, you're going to find some goof-offs, okay? They're not going to hit a lick at a snake. But thank God for those who are going to serve, roll up their arms, their sleeves, and say, bless God, God's called me to serve him and love him. And I don't care if anybody else does. Yes, they're going to. We're going to serve God together. How good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Some of you need to really, let me just encourage you. I want to challenge you. Some of you need to get out of your shell and really start working with other people better. You'll see God do more work. And I'm challenging myself too. I know what you're saying. Well, if I do it, I'm going to do it right, and I know it's done right. You're robbing yourself of being a mentor to somebody else. When you and I, trust me, God's had to deal with me about this stuff too. When you delegate you, you don't do everything yourself. Am I preaching to some mamas who are cooking and cleaning and folding? And all, bless God, get them children to hell. And in and, 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 and the life itself, you've got to learn to delegate. You say, but it won't be done right. You can make sure it's done right. And then you, what you've done is you've mentored someone else besides you doing it all yourself. I wish I had time to talk there, but I'll just leave that at that. You know where I'm going with it. So, where do we work together? We work together as we serve the Lord together. Then number three, how do we work together? Also, that day they offered great sacrifice. Turn to chapter 12. I love this, chapter 12. Here's the result of people when we're unified under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I love this. Do you know, in spite of the enemies, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, Nehemiah and that crew, though they, they were facing internal opposition, external opposition, they finished the work of God. How'd they do it? 52 days. Some of you need a breakthrough, don't you? God gave them grace. God strengthened their hands. By the way, wait a minute. I've got to say this before I get ready to close. Turn back to chapter 4. Turn back to chapter 4, please. I want you to see this. Chapter 4, look at verse 14. Look at this. This is what's at stake, my brother. This is what's at stake, my sister. Chapter 4, verse 14. Look what happens. And I looked, chapter 4, verse 14. I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. These are the enemies trying to hinder the work of God. They said, a fox, if he jumps up on it, it'll crash it. He said, remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your, help me out. And who else? And who else? And who else? And who else? How many believe that we need to, there's a, there's a cause. I said there's a cause. What you and I are going to do today is leave a lasting legacy. Aren't you concerned with your sons? 
Aren't you concerned with your daughters? Aren't you concerned with your wives? Aren't you concerned about America and the mess we're in for our families? Let's don't just talk about it. Let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. I can find all the excuses for not serving God and pointing out this and that, what's going on. But life's too short to go around trying to nitpick what's going on in Washington. Your family's at stake. Don't raise your hand. How many of you need a breakthrough in your family today? Probably 85% of us would raise our hand, say, I need a breakthrough in my family today. There's a cause. You hearing God calling you? You hearing God saying, I want you to work with me. How do we work together? Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. To tell us That work was finished. Send debt paid in full as we trust him. However, there's some unfinished work. Paul said, God is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12. Doesn't mean we work for salvation. It means after we're saved, God wants to work through us. Hey, work together. Will you work together with the Lord? Will you work together with your brothers and sisters? Will you work together with your family right now as we stand together?